This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equity Mates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. However, if you are joining us for the very first time, or if this is the very start of your investing journey, then before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. If you're feeling brave though and just want to dive in, do not let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. That's good. Uh, great to be back with you for another week. As always, we don't really have a choice. I uh, always have a choice. Or true. Yeah, you could not come back and then- you, you I'd, be, I'd be fine. You could do this show by yourself. Yeah. I um, just have to change the intro a little and away I go. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's get stuck no, into it. No, you do it. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're continuing with the theme of mistakes. Last week, we listened, well, we, we read out and went through some of the uh, more common investing mistakes that beginners make at the start of their journey and that uh, you and I have both made along the way. Yes. Um, and that uh, a lot of our community members have also made and had uh, a lot of fun uh, unpacking some of the mistakes. Yeah, everyone everyone makes investing mistakes, Warren Buffett, Hamish Douglas, all the way down to the Bryce Leskies of the world. Yes. And everyone in between. Yes. Mistakes. No one's in between those three names. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The good thing about the stock market is you get to come back the next day and you get to invest some more and you get to learn from your mistakes. um, And often the best lessons come out of your mistakes, but also that you have a chance to make a lot more than you lose. Yeah, that's the best part about it. Yeah, so I lost all my money or almost all my money on my very first investment. You're not going to have a worse start than me. Bryce lost all his money on a dumb stock tip. Um, You're not going to do worse than that on a stock tip. Um, We've lived it. Yes, we've been there, which is why this episode, we're actually going to look at the reasons why we keep making mistakes Um and why these mistakes uh, exist. Uh, Particularly, there are some that we'll go into detail on. And this episode is all about cognitive biases. So, pardon the jargon there, we will unpack it. But um, hopefully by the end of this episode, 
you will be able to identify why you might be making particular mistakes over and over again. Um, we're not going to give you the the perfect solution to stop making these mistakes because some of them are so ingrained in who we are as humans that uh, it's recognizing them and trying to avoid them that is the, the main part. Yeah, it's all about... Thinking about thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with a bit of a definition about cognitive biases. You introduced that term. So a cognitive bias is a systematic error in thinking that occurs when people are processing and interpreting information in the world around them. Jargon alert. Now, what does that mean? Jargon alert. In a nutshell, it basically means our brains aren't perfect. Um, Our brains have evolved to be pretty good. Some of the best uh, evolution that you've probably seen or they can do a lot um but they're not perfect they and they often make mistakes when taking in information and trying to make sense of it and this term cognitive bias has come up to really uh be like an umbrella term for those mistakes in uh processing information that our brain makes or coming to the wrong conclusion about um information that we're taking in And um, a lot of work has been done on categorizing these cognitive biases. And unfortunately, there's not really a cure for them other than being aware of them, knowing that you're susceptible to make them and trying to be aware when you're making them in your thinking. That is it. And I just want to be clear from the start that this is not something that can be done overnight. Um, I mean, I'm aware of some of my cognitive biases and I still fall foul of them. Um, but it's it's a matter of just improving on them every time that you go to make an investment decision. Um, now, not all of them are are uh, investment related and financial related, but um, there is a, a good book. Um, I can't even remember the name of it, though. Thinking Fast and Slow. Thinking Fast and Slow, yeah. Um, it's quite a dense book. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read it? I've started reading it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> if a book, if 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 I'm not in the right mood for a book, I don't let that be a roadblock. I move on to another book. Yeah, um, I agree. In yeah. this book, you've got to be in the mood for. Yeah. yeah. So if um, so, for a bit of context around cognitive biases and to weave in this book, um, there are two quite famous scholars, uh, Eamon Tversky and Danny Kahneman, who really pioneered this uh, work on cognitive biases. Um, Danny Kahneman wrote the book Thinking Fast and Slow um, and that's all about uh, system one and system two thinking which we might touch on in a little bit um, but there are if, if you're looking for an introduction to this um, topic and you're looking for a book uh, that maybe is a little bit easier to read the prolific writer Michael Lewis um, has written a book called The Undoing Project about those two so um that that's a good that's a good entry point as well if you're looking for a book to help explain some of these concepts but we're going to try and explain some of them before then there's a number of examples that we have here that are not financial related that sort of illustrate this idea of cognitive biases and illustrate the idea of how our brains can make mistakes when interpreting information Um, Should we rip through some of those to try and put some color on what we're talking about? Yeah, let's choose a couple. Do you want to start? Sure. Um, So, 
Here's an example. So, experienced radiologists, um, that is someone who takes uh, x-rays, for example, were asked to evaluate an x-ray as normal or abnormal, and then they were asked to re-evaluate it. And the findings showed that they contradicted their previous answer 20% of the time. This is really showing that how we can inconsistently evaluate the same set of facts. So, they're not... uh, consciously making that decision to be inconsistent, but you can see how the brain uh, has made a mistake there and, and they've reevaluated. Here's another one. Um, in a study, half of the participants were told the survival rate for surgery was 90%. The other half were told that the mortality rate was 10%. When asked if they would be willing to have the surgery, more of the group that were told the survival rate was 90% said yes, than in the group that were told the mortality rate was 10%. Same set of facts presented in a different way can affect how our brains process that information and make decisions about like the risk and the reward. Yeah. Uh, I like this one. This is anchoring. And I'm not sure if we touch on this one um, later on, but anchoring is one that I'm very aware of. So, participants observed a rule at will, half seeing it stop on the number 10 and the other half seeing it stop on the number 65. They were then asked what percentage of the United Nations countries are African. Those that saw the number 10 guessed that 25% on average were African, whereas those who saw the number 65 guessed that 45% on average were African. Uh, The results here really show how our brains anchor to numbers or to specific data points that we've recently seen, even though they're completely unrelated to what we're trying to, uh, I guess, unpack or digest at the time. Mm. One more for a sort of non-financial example. So, uh, in an experiment, a coin was, uh, if a coin is flipped five times and lands on heads all five times, most people think it will land tails the next flip. But it's still 50-50. Yeah. But it just shows how history can affect our ability to forecast future outcomes. Yes. Um, so, look, that's there, there are so many of these experiments that uh, Kahneman and Tversky did and then a number of other scholars have picked up the mantle and kept going with. And, and a lot of them are really simple, um, but they just show that our brains aren't perfect at processing information. Um There are a couple of financial ones that if we start to move from the theoretical to the behavioral psychology to behavioral finance. So, one of the experiments that have a sort of finance tilt. Yeah. uh, In an experiment, people were asked if they would rather have $150 today or $180 in one month. People tend to choose $150 today. However, giving up a 20% return in one month, that is an economically irrational choice. Yeah. According to the standard economics textbooks, humans should be assessing the time value of money um, and saying that 20% return in a month is worth it and waiting, but humans aren't as they are written in economics textbooks. No, absolutely not. And uh, to close out some of these other examples, when asked, um, most participants 
of this survey would prefer to receive uh, a sure $46 in their hand than have a 50% chance of making $100. This, according to traditional economic theory, is irrational. The risk-weighted return, i.e., is it worth taking the risk based on what the potential um, reward will be on the $100 is actually the rational choice, showing that most people don't actually properly assess risk and reward when it comes to their finances, which is particularly important when it comes to investing. And to be honest, the risk-weighted return component is something that a lot of professional investors often talk about, but takes a long time to actually understand. Yeah, yeah. And and look, if you don't understand like that concept of risk-weighted return and stuff, it's not that important. Like the, the point of those examples, the point of that whole section was really just to illustrate how there's all these little experiments that um, behavioral psychologists have done to sort of show how our brains actually process information rather than how like standard textbook would assume that like a perfect person would process information yeah like they've really worked on categorizing some of these um you know shortcuts or mistakes that our brains make and if we understand them we can try and avoid making them again so let's get stuck into that but before we do um let's take a break to quickly hear from our sponsors quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 50 percent on the sleep number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, so Bryce, uh, we've given some examples, but we've pulled out some of, I guess, the key categories of cognitive biases that we're all susceptible to, whether we're you know, a professional investor with 50 years experience or someone who's got less than 50 days experience like our brains are all the same imperfect um so let's let's kick it off let's do it this is the juicy part so uh we're gonna talk about the bias the definition and then um maybe try and give some examples on how to avoid it or how to at least recognize it so the first one and uh one that we're we all succumb to is confirmation bias now this is where you put the conclusion first and then you try and seek out information to actually support and confirm what your conclusion and your view is. So you pay particular attention to information that supports your co- the conclusion that you've come to um, and you don't necessarily consider information that challenges your conclusion. And uh, I guess the, the risk with this is that how do you actually make a proper decision when you're not considering all of the available information? This, I think, would be the most common yeah, yeah. investor mistake yeah. where it's like I've decided that I like Spotify, call it, and then every glowing news story about Spotify I take to heart, I internalize, maybe I print it out and stick it up on my wall, I send it to all my mates, I'm like Spotify to the moon, it's happening, look at all this positive press. But every negative article I say, 
they don't understand. They're just haters. They've got an agenda. And I'm not equally weighing all the information because I've got my conclusion in my mind and I'm sticking to it. Bitcoin on Twitter is an oh. absol- <laughs> absolute classic example of yes, this. Yes. Classic example where people will only be responding uh, to, you know, they're only on one side of the fence and when Bitcoin is going up and it's going well and there's all this positive news, everyone takes that side of the fence and then equally they don't regard anything that anyone else is saying and then and then the flip side. So, yeah, it, not surprising that this is probably the most common. And, yeah, it's not, it's not just confined to investors. Like, politics is just a cesspool of confirmation bias where if you plant your flag on one side of that political fence, you will process information in a way that supports your pre-existing beliefs. So then the question is, Ren, all right, so I know that my brain is likely to uh, support (laughs) and focus on information that supports my views and disregard information that doesn't. What do I do about that? So the number one thing from my perspective is to have a balanced information diet and that's especially on social media um be very careful about just following accounts or people that have the same views as you um make sure you're reading widely and and really trying to understand both sides of an argument um i think that's the most important thing secondly just being aware of when someone has an opinion that disagrees with you and trying to be open in hearing them rather than just waiting to talk yeah yeah yeah, agreed uh yeah i think it's all about actively trying to find a reason to not believe what you're believing and if it if it becomes overwhelming that you are on the right track great but if you soon realize well hold on a second there's many other reasons why this might not be the foregone conclusion yeah, you need to have a look at it. The intelligence agencies, are, it's either red teaming or blue teaming or something like that, but they have this process where if they're trying to make an assessment, um, they have they have a, a person or a team that is explicitly excluded from that whole process. And when they're ready to present it, they have to do this thing first where they present all the information to this team and that team's whole job is to tear it apart. And like... If you're investing as a syndicate, like if you and a bunch of mates putting money together or if you're a hedge fund or something listening to this, take a leaf out of that book. Have someone red team every argument and be like, you know, try and tear it apart and really, you know, work it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. We need a red team. All right. So, the second <laughs> one, second one, again, uh, I love this one. This is uh, the bi- the cognitive bias here is called loss aversion. No one likes the feeling of losing, uh, particularly losing money. So, if you find that losing money often evokes a stronger emotional response than making money, then that is loss aversion. This is uh, where you will feel more strongly about loss than you do any gain of the same amount. So, let's put this in in simple terms. You hate losing $100 than you do gaining 100 this can lead to you often selling a lot of your winners to lock in profits and holding on for dear life to those losers uh, longer than you certainly should be. Yeah, to avoid feel that feeling that of realizing feeling of, the loss. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest the biggest outcome of loss aversion, which we all have, is people not starting and people um, putting their money in, leaving their money in the bank because they're like, I don't want to lose it. 
But putting all of your money in the bank and getting 1% interest, like that's not an economically rational choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Like no one goes, okay, so I've saved 5000 and man, it's going to feel good when I make another 5000 It's always, I've saved 5000 and God, it's going to hurt if I lose yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that is loss aversion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you, you always have enough in your bank account as an emergency fund. We're not saying invest that because that that's not what we're no, saying. But no. it's like if you have $100,000 in your savings account and you're like, I'm going to keep saving, that's that's economically irrational. Yeah. But a lot of people do it because they're worried about losing money. So, that's probably the clearest example. And I've had this one and this is something that I've had to work on for a while and it's just reminding yourself like so many people will hold a stock that's going down and they go, oh, I can't go any low, lower or I just need it to get back to where I sold it. Um, you just need to start training yourself that a, a loss is a loss. It might be painful. Just get out of there. Well, uh, <laughs> that whole um, I just need to get it back to where I sold it probably leads quite nicely onto the next one, which is anchoring. So, we, you mentioned anchoring above, but we should explain uh, it again here. So, anchoring is probably best explained with an example. So, you buy a stock at $10, it moves around, it doesn't know you own it, it's doing its thing. But if it falls below $10 and you're like, I don't want to sell it until it gets back to $10, you're anchoring to a number that just doesn't have any meaning outside of the, the fact that you bought it there. The stock doesn't know that it needs to get back to $10 for you to sell it. Um, it's just an arbitrary point that you're attaching meaning to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anchoring. I love anchoring. I don't actually love it, but I like uh, it as a cognitive bias because so many people do it to, to lots of things mm. in life. Yeah. Let's keep ripping through these because I'm mindful of the time. Dunning-Kruger effect. Um, t- we had Ted Richards on uh, maybe even a few years ago now. Um, he uh, spoke to us about the Dunning-Kruger effect, but it's basically where you're better than you think you are. Um, a no, you blo- think you're better than you are. You're, oh, true, true, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you think you're better than you are and you think you know more than you do. Yes. Um, it's the bias where people overestimate their ability at a particular task or their knowledge on a particular topic. Um, and a lot of investors go through this um, and there's there's like a real... There's a real valley in investing where it's like you start and you realize you know nothing. You no- start to learn a bit and you think you you think you know a lot, but then it's only as you you really become an experienced investor you realize once again that you know nothing. Yeah, it's the classic someone puts money in gets lucky, makes a few, starts telling their mates all about these investing opportunities and because they've done all this research X, Y, and Z, that is a Dunning-Kruger effect where they're massively overestimating actually how that, how much they know when it comes to investing. Yeah, and the big risk that comes with this or the big negative outcome is that you take on too much risk. Yes. You think you know everything about investing, you think you have a strategy that you can't lose money on, something along those lines leads you to take more risk yeah so i guess the the key here is be humble (laughs) recognize that you don't know everything uh you're never going to know everything when it comes to investing and to always remind yourself of that when it comes to the investing decisions that you're making and uh invest wisely yeah and if as you get more developed in your investing journey have clear risk management rules that are like a sacrilege to break you know like for me it's like have an emergency fund have three months expenses don't invest that yeah and it's like 
Yeah. It ha- have Just have the right risk management rules in place. Don't be overconfident. Yeah. Choice overload. Oh, I love this one. You love all these. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> a cognitive bias is loving cognitive bias. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is me though. I uh, So, choice overload. You know that feeling when you sit, in a, sit down at a restaurant and they have 55 items on the menu and you just uh, struggle with what to choose? That is choice overload. Making decisions is difficult when you're faced with many choices and uh, this is certainly relevant to investors. You know, there are thousands of stocks to choose from around the globe. Um, so, there's a tendency to go either three ways when you have choice overload on the stock markets. Either buy everything through an index buy nothing at all because you're paralyzed with choice or you succumb to herd mentality and buy what is popular. Now, um, we're not saying any of those options is the wrong way to do it. I am. Buying what's popular. Buying what's popular and buying nothing at well, all. Well, buying nothing at all, true. I completely <laughs> forgot about that one. <laughs> um, but uh, I can certainly understand. I am one of those people that go to a restaurant and if there's too many things on the menu, I hate it. Dude, you only go to Italian restaurants. No, that is yeah. not true. <laughs> that, well, that is not true. That's because they have limited things on Every the menu. Italian restaurant proprietor in Sydney knows you <laughs> by your first name. <laughs> not true. Uh, I also don't trust restaurants with 55 things on the menu. But nonetheless, yeah, I, agree I can, with that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can understand how, as a beginner investor, it would be quite daunting with the choices uh, when it comes to investing. But I strongly suggest to try not to make that the reason to not get started. Yeah. the I mean, in the same way that you filter down the restaurant menu to, and you start to exclude things that you're just not interested in, um, the, the way to tackle choice overload is to reduce those number of choices and like filter it out, filter out the noise and really concentrate on what matters to you or what is in your investing universe. The wrong way to filter it out is to just go to whatever the news is talking about yeah 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 next one i if you really like that one i really like this one okay. uh, availability heuristic so um have you ever been asked what's your favorite movie what's your favorite song what uh, do you have a book recommendation and you just answer with something that you've consumed recently even if it's not really your favorite yes so that is a classic example of availability bias it's where your brain basically takes a shortcut and uh, relies on the most recent information or the most recent example when evaluating decisions or topics. So, you know, that that example of what's your favorite movie isn't, isn't a dangerous one. But if you're trying to make a decision about an investment, um, should you buy something, should you sell something, and all your brain is thinking about is the news article that you've most recently read or the conversation you most recently had or the Equity Mates episode you most recently listened to um, and it's not properly weighing all the information you've consumed, it's just recalling the last thing that's come to mind, that's that's the classic example of how investors fall to the availability heuristic. Yeah, it's like, look, trying it's trying to remind yourself to take a step back and look at the much bigger picture. Mm. Like, uh, you know, if you were to think about taking the step right after the COVID crash happened, you'd probably think the stock market's super risky because you're going to anchor and that's the most recent headlines that would be coming through. But if you scroll out and actually look at the last 100 years, then, you know, your availability... Uh, well, you know, what you're looking at over a period of time is bigger. Yeah. I mean, the classic example where this happens a lot would be you read like a broker report or 
as much as we tell people not to, or they listen to an episode of Equity Mates and they hear someone talking about a stock that they like. Um, and there, there are sort of ways that you can get around this. Like keeping an investing journal is sometimes a good way and like making you write down the information that you consume to come to an investing decision, you'll very quickly realize if there's only one source that you're writing down for each decision. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really about digging deeper, getting beyond just like one source and relying on that or the most recent thing that you've consumed. Um, that That's sort of how you confront this. Yeah, it's a good one. And so to close it out, and we've all we've all um, been victim of this, and that is herding. Uh, it's perhaps one of the most common cognitive biases um, that you might experience, and it's really where you follow follow the group and base your investing decisions on what everyone else is doing. A classic case is in cryptocurrency. Everyone buys Bitcoin. It's all over the news. You you feel like you're missing out. You have that FOMO, so you decide to jump on board. Um, that's a cognitive bias. Following the herd can lead to formation of asset bubbles, everyone jumping in and pushing the price up of something um, way beyond what it is actually worth. That is, a, that is a risk. And then a lot of pain subsequently can come from that if the bubble bursts. But really, for me as well, herding... Her, the biggest risk for me with herding, especially as a beginner, is that you don't, you're not actually l- learning anything. You're not teaching yourself anything if you're basing all your investment decisions on what other people are doing. Yeah. And you're not actually going out of your way to develop your own thesis, to think about what you're investing in, and to try and avoid everything else that we've spoken about. So it's not so much that following everyone is the wrong thing to do. Of course, if there's macro trends that it'd be silly to go against, you know, that's not what we're talking about here. It's But it's just blindly going into something without thinking beyond that. Mm. Yeah. Tulips, Bitcoin, Tulips, yeah. everything in between. NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, look, let's, uh, let's leave it there. There's heaps more cognitive biases that we could talk about. I mean, literally people have made whole careers and won Nobel Prizes talking about these things. So we're never going to do it justice in half an hour. But I think the two books, there's plenty, but two that we would recommend if you just want to understand more about this concept, Michael Lewis's The Undoing Project. If you want to read a book uh, from one of the sort of founders of this whole field of study, Thinking Fast and Slow by Danny Kahneman. Yeah. And I think just to put a bow on everything that we've spoken about in this mistakes chapter, it's everyone makes mistakes. Our brains aren't perfect. They developed to evade wild animals in the savannah and fight other tribes for resources <laughs> and stuff like that. They're not optimized to make complex mathematical decisions and analyze you know, um, what we're trying to analyze in the stock market or in life today. Um, Danny Kahneman in his book Thinking Fast and Slow introduced this concept of system one and system two thinking. System one being that fight or flight, um, you know, our ancestral um, brain, that quick response, quick um, quick action side of our brain that we needed to... The fact that we survived and are here today is thanks to that brain. But the system two thinking is that deeper thought that really, you know, ability to analyze complex information that has taken us from evading wild animals to building cities and economies and companies and stuff like that. And the the system one is quick fire, the system two is deeper thought and slower. And it's really taking not making instant decisions, not getting carried away by your first thought, and really letting that system two brain take over. 
that's how we avoid investing mistakes. Yes. So, yeah, a good way to wrap it up. Hopefully, you've been able to identify where you might be making mistakes or where you might be prone to make mistakes and uh, working on it slowly to, to improve in those areas. As I said at the start, this is not something that will happen overnight. It's always going to be a lifelong journey with this sort of stuff. So, uh, over the next two weeks, we have two guests coming on the show that we're excited about. Two comedians, now that I think about it, yeah. who are both at different stages on their investing journey and have made plenty of mistakes. And so, we're going to be sitting down with them to discuss uh, the mistakes that they have made. Uh, one of them is Adam from our Comedian V Economist uh, show, and the other is Lucinda Price, otherwise known as Frooms on Instagram. Uh, both have some pretty interesting stories to tell. So stay tuned for those. If this is the first time that you're listening to Get Started Investing, then go back to the start and go from the very beginning, as we said at the top of the show. And before we go, there is something that you can help us with, and that is to leave us a review. So, it only takes 30 seconds. You'll have it done in no time, and it is a huge favor for us. Uh, it certainly helps with our ratings and with uh, visibility of Get Started Investing, which inevitably leads to a, a better show and better, um, better people coming on. The more people that listen, the better guests we can get. Um, so... Please give us a review. That that can help us get there. Yeah, big props to Oko Loco. What a name. He's, he's, one of his reviews was he said that the series is fun to learn about the basics and he's a big fan of our corny jokes. Thanks, Oko Loco. I don't know if that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's a good review or not. But anyway. That's um, a good review. <laughs> the series helped uh, encourage him to take the first steps in his investing journey. So, um, if you are like Oko, uh, it'd be great to leave us a review. But otherwise, Ren, we'll leave it there and pick it up next week. Sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.